0: Hello? Hello? You here? There you are. Welcome. Welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Thanks for coming in. Hey, a little news, folks. There's a brand new season of My Next Guest Needs No Introduction with David Letterman on Netflix. Like a lot of you, Paul will be checking it out. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. So that calls to mind this interview with a true jazz legend, David Sanborn. As a matter of fact, Sanborn used to regularly sit in with Paul Schaefer's band on the old Late Night with Letterman shows. Now, David Sanborn is a man who loves music. As a composer, a performer on his chosen instrument, the saxophone, or as a recording artist with more than two dozen album releases. The guy has fans all around the world. Recognition? Oh yeah. He's got six Grammy Awards, had eight gold albums, and a platinum album. He's toured with artists as diverse as the Paul Butterfield Blues Band and Stevie Wonder. And as a session artist, he's appeared on albums of everyone from James Taylor to Billy Joel. And in this interview, Paul caught up with David Sanborn backstage to have a talk about his musical roots right before a great concert. The interview is about to begin, but first, be sure and visit www.ThePaulLeslie.com slash support. Oh, we appreciate everyone who's contributing and listening too so hey let's go backstage with david sanborn it's time ladies and gentlemen
1: it's a pleasure to welcome
0: legendary david san it's a
1: pleasure
2: thank you thank you nice to be here. So you should, you should tell them that background noise that they hear is uh, this is the, the band.
1: Al- yes, this is the authentic backstage experience. Yes, <laughs> we're at the Variety Playhouse here in Atlanta. Pulling the curtain back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> who is David Sanborn? Oh God, I don't know
2: how you want me to answer that. Depends on who you talk to, I guess. Talk to my ex-wife; she'll tell you one story. You yeah. know, I don't know. I'm a musician—that's how I define myself, I guess. Human being first, and musician second. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the influence of Hank Crawford on your life. Uh, Hank Crawford, both Hank Crawford and there was a, another saxophone player named David Fathead Newman, And these guys were uh, saxophone players with Ray Charles. Played in the Ray Charles band in the uh, 50s, 60s, in, sometime into the late 60s. When I was growing up, I listened to a lot of, you know, I, I grew up, um, I was born in 1945, so I grew up kind of like dirt while rock and roll grew up, and kind of rock and roll sprang out of rhythm and blues, and, and so all these old rhythm and blues singers came out of the, the boogie-woogie jazz bands and uh, would play, you know, so a lot of the the musicians were jazz musicians who played, you know, kind of blues-style jazz and uh, and they came out of that, those touring bands that toured the South and the uh, the Midwest and the Mid-South. And, you know, the music, Ray Charles was kind of like the apex of that for me because he combined jazz, gospel, and rhythm and blues. And in the early days of rock and roll, saxophone was the solo instrument of rock and roll. You know, you really didn't hear very many electric guitar solos. It was mostly saxophone players. And so I was kind of steeped in that tradition you know and and that was the music that i heard around me people like fats domino little richard these guys both had saxophone players in their band and ray charles certainly always had a saxophone player in his band and that was that jazz gospel and rhythm and blues mix that was prevalent in that music that really turned me on and when i
1: heard the music of ray charles and heard these guys playing that was kind of what i was drawn to was herb hardesty from Fats domino's band was he an influence on you Herbert Hardesty, I forget where I, I heard him first. You know,
2: I, funny, I ran into him in Las Vegas, because I, I don't know if he's, I, I don't know, I'm not sure if he's still alive. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's still living in Las Vegas? Still is. Yeah. yeah I just talked to him a while ago. sweet guy, man. Great player, too. You know, was he played did he play with Little Richard? Or was yes it he Fat did. Star? Was it Little Richard or Fats Domino or both? Both. Both, right? And a, a
1: bunch of others.
2: Yeah, and there was another tenor saxophone player named Lee Allen, Mm-hmm. who grew, you know, from New Orleans. And these were the guys that kind of created a style of music. There's another guy named, uh, Illinois Jaquette, another saxophone player named Arnett Cobb, a lot of Texas players. They called, they used to call them the Texas Tenors. And these guys were, came out of bands like Lyle Hampton's band, and they played like jump, what they called jump music. You know, Louis Jordan and the Timpani Five. So all of that music would kind of laid the groundwork for early rock and roll. You know, and then Big Joe Hunter came along and sang. There's always a saxophone player in that band.
1: Tell us about performing with Albert King and Little Milton when you were young.
2: Well, when I was growing up in St. Louis, they used to have these dances right around where I grew up. And these regional bands would come through and play these dances. And two of the bands were Little Milton and uh, Albert King. And they would play these things called Team Town. There were dances usually in VFW halls or social halls of some kind. And in the summer times, it was out by some, a public swimming pool. They set up a bandstand. Little Milton was uh, played very regularly there. And my friend, a drummer friend of mine, and I became friendly with the keyboard player that played with Lil' Milton. He knew that we were musicians, and he one time he said, Why don't you bring your, why don't you bring your horn down, and I'll... I'll Get you to, you could sit in with Milton and I was like 15 years old and terrified. But I said, okay, because the pull of it was much stronger than my fear. So I got my nerve up and sat in with him and I, I didn't have to play that much. I just had to play a part like do da do da But I was in heaven just doing that. From that moment on, I was hooked. And they were very gracious to me, both those gentlemen. Kindly allowed me to sit in with them and, and do
1: some shows. i never got paid, of course, but I wasn't doing it for the money. You've just played with so many people on sessions, and this is probably an impossible question. And for the listeners out there, some of them include Paul Simon, Cat Stevens, Billy Joel, Elton John. I could go on all day. <laughs> but could you pick a favorite to play
2: with? Gosh, I couldn't. No. You know, I really couldn't. On a personal level, James Taylor was great to play with. I mean, he was, he wasn't and is a a real gentleman. I just have such an affinity for his music. He's just such a complete, he's like the kind of the voice of America. Like Ray, like Ray Charles was, but in a different way. He like kind of embodies a certain kind of Americana that is just extraordinary. His level of craft in his songwriting, the scope of his musicianship
1: is, is really extraordinary. You were a member of Paul Butterfield's Lube band. Did you ever Very influential. Yeah? Yeah. You appeared on some of his recordings? Yeah,
2: quite a few. From like 67 through maybe 71. You know, all the records from 67 to 71 I was on.
1: He was very influential, you mentioned. Absolutely, yeah.
2: I mean, ironically, you know, I went from playing with Paul Butterfield to playing with Stevie Wonder. So two of the great harmonica players in America. And I was very influenced by both of their playing. I picked up a lot of things, you know, I think subconsciously and consciously from both of them. Just man, certain mannerisms that they had and the way they phrased. Butterfield had
1: such a huge sound. Nobody had a sound like Paul Butterfield on the, on the harmonica. Something that might be of interest to our listeners, we've been doing this series where we've been profiling the members of David Letterman, well Paul Schaefer's CBS uh-huh. Orchestra. Tell us about your experience with playing with Paul Schaefer.
2: Well, I had known Paul for years from the early days of Saturday Night Live. We met back then. We were friends over the years, and then he got the job as as the musical director for The Letterman Show. You know, I was touring and doing a lot of things, and he said, listen, would you like to come and sit in every once in a while? And I did, and then I, I sat in with him I started to sit in on a fairly regular basis I used to come in like every Thursday and it was great fun it, and it was and is great fun I don't do it as much as I used to but I, I really enjoy it it's quite an experience I mean Letterman to me is is extremely it's just brilliant you know, he's creative and funny and he just pushes the envelope in a way that I think no other no other comedian certainly mainstream comedian does
1: the latest album is only everything yes tell everyone about this album. What do you think of it? Well, it's kind of going back to my roots in a
2: way, kind of paying homage to the Hank Crawford and David Fathead Newman and the music of Ray Charles. Even when it's not explicitly that music, it's implicitly that feeling, that sound. And the last album, Only Everything features the organist Joey DeFrancesco when I'm not doing this with Marcus Marcus Miller and George do my main group now these days is Joey De Francesco on the organ and a drummer, so just the just the three of us go out, and that's great fun for me to play because the other part of my playing experience growing up in St. Louis was playing with organ groups, and I have a real hot, soft, warm feeling sp- place in my heart for the organ sound of the B three organ. It's just like it's so complete, and as a saxophone player, it just just the, it kind of blankets you in this beautiful.
1: Sound, enveloping sound. My last question is very open-ended. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Don't don't lose faith that music
2: is. I know that there's a lot of chaos and turmoil going on with all the, all the delivery systems of music, and people say, oh, the music is dying, and the you know the record company is going away, and how are we gonna, you know, music is kind of f- fading in the background. And I I feel just the opposite. I think that there are more musicians out today doing more creative things. I think there's an audience that's hungry to hear music and be moved by the music and have it be a part of their lives. And I think just it's a matter of figuring out the delivery system, how to get the music to the people, and how to let them know what's happening, and let a music be a part of their lives again instead of just a commodity. Because it's not that. It is. It's that, but it's more than that. It's more than just a commodity. It's something that can change your life. That creative spirit is something that's never going to die. It's never going to go away. Whether record companies go away or not is irrelevant, because they probably will. Hmm. But that creative spirit, that hunger for the music, both to make it and to to experience it, is universal and timeless.
1: Well spoken. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much, Mr. Sandborn. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to do this interview. Thank you very much. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin.